Okay, guys, we're, we're continuing on. We're in Lesson 15 today. We're in the second part of the discussion concerning the martyrdom of Stephen. So I'm just going to go get right into it. Uh, what, we, what We had to break it down into two sections because Luke, when he wrote this, really wrote down Stephen's argument before the council. Remember, he was arrested. He is a Hellenistic Jew. The Hellenistic Jews who don't believe in Jesus were upset with him. They, they couldn't, we weren't able to have a, to be able to argue with him because of his reasoning. So they arrested him. So he appears before the council, the Sanhedrin, and he's supposed to give an account for himself. So he goes ahead and basically gives them a history of Israel. And that's what we're doing here. Now, he's got a purpose, and the purpose is going to be revealed today as we look at this as to why he's giving them a history of Israel, okay? A history of Israel. So I want you to notice with me, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the passage, okay? For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the passage because we are uh, running out of time. But if you look with me as you as we go along, we're going to see his statement continued. So now when we get to verses 17 through 36, he's going to talk about Moses, okay? Now Moses, everybody understands, is a significant figure in the history of Israel. There's Abraham, the patriarchs, Moses. Anybody know why Moses is significant? Because Moses gave them what? The law and brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, okay? So, Israel multiplied in Egypt and was enslaved by a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. First thing, he reminds them, everybody there, yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, the one Pharaoh welcomed them, but later on there was, there was another Pharaoh, because remember, they were there for 400 years. There's another Pharaoh who did not know who Joseph was. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house and learned the wisdom of the Egyptians. Moses was in Pharaoh's house and learned the wisdom of the Egyptians. Moses fled Egypt after killing an Egyptian who was oppressing a Hebrew. We all know this, okay? If you've watched the Ten Commandments, you know this, all right? So uh, uh, these are familiar parts of the story here. Moses fled Egypt after killing an Egyptian who was oppressing a Hebrew. Moses saw God in the burning bush as he was sent to bring Israel out of Egypt. Moses saw God in a burning bush as he was sent to bring Israel out of Egypt. Let me just stop for a moment. I want to give you a side comment here. How many burning bushes are there in the Bible? How many burning bush experiences are there in the Bible? Just this one. Anybody know what the significance of that is? Anybody know what the significance of that's just one time? God appears in a burning bush. Well, okay, that's good, but there's something more here. Yeah, God doesn't always use the same methods, and that's something good for you and I to understand. So maybe so-and-so testifies that God did this, you know, but he doesn't necessarily do that in everybody's life. I remember when I went to Liberty, there was a kid there, 
I forget what his name is now, but it seemed like God was just sending him money through the mail. Every time he opened up his mailbox, there was an envelope of money to pay for his school. And I'm praying, God, I need you to pay for my school too, but God didn't bring it through my mailbox. Did you understand what I'm saying? God doesn't necessarily do the same thing all the time in everybody's life. So you'll never see another burning bush experience. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, with other people, he did other things. Do you understand? With other people, he did other things. But so I just wanted to make that side note here. Okay, so don't expect a burning bush. All right? If you're going out in the woods and the bush is burning and you hear a voice, it was bad sausage from the night before, okay? All right, so uh, here we go. He thought he was rejected as, though he was rejected as the deliverer, Moses brought them out of Egypt. Now let's just stop for a moment. Now the tone of what he's sharing changes. Because if you were to ask those Jews that, they would say everybody liked Moses. What Stephen's doing now, because this is the point he's going to go to now, the narrative changes because he's going to talk about their rebellion and their stubbornness as a people and their rejection of God and his servants. He's going to point out that Moses was not universally accepted by the people. And he was rejected as the deliverer, but yet he still what? Brought them out of Egypt, okay? So he's just kind of wanting to make a point about the Israeli people. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's wanting to make a point about the Israelites here. He told Israel that God would raise up Moses told Israel that God would raise up a prophet like him and they, they should listen to him. So, that's, so immediately he's going to go. Moses says there's going to be another prophet just like me and you need to listen to him. Now we know who that prophet is, right? Who's that prophet? Jesus, okay? That prophet is Jesus. And even though Moses heard from God... Israel rejected God and wanted to go back to Egypt. Doesn't that stand out to you? I think this is amazing, okay? They're living in oppression. Make bricks without straw. You know, being oppressed, put in slave labor, Moses comes, delivers them, and guess what they want to do? Go back to slavery. Now, isn't that amazing? Go back to slavery. Go back to, to the bondage. You say, they're just crazy. Yeah, but we are too, right? Because how many people go back to the bondage that we exist with today? Bondage of alcohol, bondage of this, bondage of drugs. Do you understand what I'm saying? We keep going back, even though we know, and you talk to them, oh, I know, I know, but they keep going back, right? See, we're just like these like these Jews. You know, our hearts are hardened, and they've rejected God and wanted to go back to Egypt. So here's what they did. They made a calf and sacrificed to it as they rejoiced in their pride. So Stephen points out, hey, they weren't that great. They made a golden calf, sacrificed. They had an orgy, sacrificed to it, and it all came out of their pride. Look at what we did. Look at what we did. 
Here's the next thing. God gave them up to worship the host of heaven and other idols. God gave them up to worship the host of heaven and other idols. Now, this is a statement that Paul uses also in Romans chapter 1. And here's what I want you to understand. There comes a point where when you reject God because you're filled with your pride and you want to do what you're going to do, God gives you up over to what you want to have. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how he describes the Gentiles in, in, in Galatians chapter 1. When you read Galatians chapter 1, everybody knows Galatians chapter 1, verses 18 through 32 as being, quote, where he condemns homosexuality. Folks, it's mentioned there, but that's not the only thing he condemns. He condemns, are you ready for this, people who reject him, choose their own gods or their own path, and seek after their own lusts. And so that society degenerates down to the point, according to what Paul is saying, to where homosexuality is acceptable. And then he goes through a whole list of sins. And if you read those lists, you probably are guilty of some of them. And he basically says that those who practice them and condone them are judged. Now, here's the point he's making here. At one point in that passage, he talks about how because of their rejection, he gave them over to fulfill their own lusts. See, this is what he, this is what Luke is saying here when he's recording the statement from Stephen, is that God gave these Jews over to, to their own desires to worship the host of heaven. What's the host of heaven? Well, we would know it as astrology, okay? Worshiping the stars and other idols, okay? Other idols. So God basically, you, you don't need me, you can do your own thing. You don't need me, you can do your own thing. But you're going to have to, listen to me, face the consequences of your own decision. Do you understand? Face the consequences of your own decision. And that's what's going on here. That's what Stephen is pointing out to them, that he gave them up to worship the host of heaven and other idols. Now, Israel had the tabernacle that God had instructed them to build. So he goes out, he points out to them that Israel had the tabernacle that God had instructed them to build. He goes on and talks about David. David sought to build a dwelling for God, but his son Solomon built the temple. David had sought to build a dwelling for God, but his son Solomon built the temple. So we know the story. Why didn't he let David build the temple, guys? Anybody know? Yeah, too much sin. He was not, he was not qualified to do it. And the blood on his hand wasn't just the blood of killing Philistines, folks. It was the blood of killing who? Uriah, the Hittite, who was the wife of who? Bath, or the husband of Bathsheba, okay? So because of that, which, okay, there's another principle there. You know, we like to say everybody can do everything for God, but that's not true. There is a point where you, you can do stuff for God, but you might have disqualified yourself from doing some things. 
David was disqualified. But here's what David did. He didn't have an attitude. He didn't get down in the mouth. He gathered all the materials and, and, and basically developed the plans for Solomon to build a temple for him. Do you understand? He made sure that everything was available for Solomon to build the temple. So Stephen points out that God does not dwell in temples, but in heaven. He said, even though there was a temple, even God's, even though God's presence was in the temple, God doesn't dwell in temples. He dwells where? In heaven. Stephen, Stephen rebuked them as he pointed out that they have historically resisted God. Now he gets to his argument. He goes through all that history of Israel to make a point. The point is, nothing's changed. You've rejected God from the very beginning. You continue to reject God now. That's his point. Nothing's changed. You've rejected God from the very beginning. He gave you Moses. You rejected Moses. And Moses did what he did in spite of you. You rejected the prophets. You rejected, you know, when God's presence was among us. You did your own thing. And he points out how they have historically resisted God. He points out that they killed the prophets who foretold the Messiah whom they murdered. So he goes on one step further and he says, look, the very prophets who told you that the other prophet was coming, that, Mo that Moses talked about, the very prophets who told you that the Messiah would be coming, you killed those prophets just like you killed the Messiah. You murdered the Messiah. Now, do you think he's got people's attention while he's talking? Okay, do you think they're happy? Oh, yeah, that's, you're, hit me with the truth, bro. That's good. You know, no, they're like probably pretty mad, right? So they pointed out, foretold the Messiah whom they murdered. Even though they received the law at the direction of angels, they did not keep it. Very clearly, he tells them. Even though you got the law at the direction of angels, you didn't keep this law. You're not keeping it. So don't tell me how great you are with God. So guess what happens? They all had a picnic. No, it's a reaction. So I'm going to read you these last few verses, okay? Look with me at verse 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at, his, at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling out to God, saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. All right, so what we're going to see here is Stephen's death. The council was offended by Stephen's words concerning them. They were offended. They reacted. I mean, look at how they reacted. I mean, they 
stopped their ears. What do you think that means, folks? What do you think it means that they stopped their ears? Anybody got a clue? Yeah, it's like, I ain't going to listen to you no more, you know, except they're probably yelling and cursing. They're not doing a na-na-na thing, okay? But they're, 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 they're like, they're, they're, they're angry. And get this, they threw them out of the city. So that, that's not just like the, where they're meeting, they just throw them over the wall. They're probably meeting in the center of the city, and then they would be beating him and dragging him out to throw him out to the place where he's going to die, Okay. So, and then there's, it basically is a picture of mob violence, okay? Mob violence. So it's not just the council killing him. There's probably others who joined because it's mob rules, all right? So the council was offended by Stephen's words concerning them. And being filled with the Spirit, he announces that he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, let me just stop for a moment. This is a significant thing that he's saying here. He sees Jesus at the right hand of God. In the scripture, the right hand always meant to sit at somebody's right hand in their culture meant a place of authority. So what he's saying is, is he's telling them, I see Jesus in a place of authority at the right hand of God. Now, Normally, when he's talked about Jesus being at the right hand of God, in other places it talks about him sitting at the right hand. Here we see Jesus standing at the right hand. Now, this is pure speculation. Anybody got a guess why he's standing? Okay, you said concern, Bruce. Okay, anybody else? What would you say, Mike? Judgment? Ready to come to us? Okay, you're, you're close, but not to us. Some say the reason why he's standing is to receive who? Stephen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he's getting ready to receive Stephen. All right? So, that's speculation. A text doesn't say that. You could come up with your own. You know, I kind of like the thought of him standing, because everywhere else he's seated, standing to receive Stephen because he's going to be martyred. Okay? So the council immediately reacts and takes Stephen outside to stone him. Stoning still is happening today, folks. Have you noticed that? That's one of the ways that ISIS is killing people besides beheading them is what? Stoning them. Happens a lot in the Middle East. Okay? Happens a lot in the Middle East. So Stephen prayed that God would receive him as he calls for their what? Forgiveness. Let me just stop for a moment. Is that normal? Asking God to receive you, that would be normal. Asking God to not hold it against them, that's not normal, is it? So very much he's spirit-empowered here, and he's asking God to what? Forgive them. Okay? Forgive them. So, that's basically it. Now, we're going to be we're briefly introduced to a guy. We're going to talk about that uh, next week. A guy by the name of who? Saul. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about what this martyrdom does. It creates, it does something. It brings about something that's actually not a bad thing. 